Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Savini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. Well, it's been a long time since we last talked at the end of the season. Season is in the rearview mirror, in the distance, and I wanted to check back in. I spent a few days last week in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl. Of course, the Jets coaching staff was coaching that week, the national team, and they ended up winning the game, actually, on Saturday. But the thing about the Senior Bowl is you spend the week watching practice, um, mixing in with NFL people, executives, scouts, agents are all, all over the place. And so essentially that's what the week was. Uh, very busy week in terms of uh, access to players and had a lot of FaceTime with Jets personnel, which is always a good thing. Been coming to the Senior Bowl a long time. Actually, the first time I went to Mobile was 1990. Dick Steinberg had just taken over as the Jets GM, so I wanted to go down there and follow him around and do a feature on him. And I ended up spending the second half of the Senior Bowl game sitting with him in the press box watching the game. And older Jet fans will remember uh, a running back named Blair Thomas. He just ran wild in that game. He won the MVP. He had over 100 yards rushing. And I remember Dick saying to me at the end of the game, he said, my grandmother could tell you who the best player on the field was. And so that's when I knew right there that the Jets were going to pick Blair Thomas with the second overall pick. It did not work out well. Uh, he was uh, might have been the best player on the field that day, but he certainly was not the best player in his career. He had kind of a disappointing career. So you just never know in scouting. But I got to watch a lot of players uh, last week in Mobile, and that, w- that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, so it was really, really a good experience. And I just wanted to come back and share some notes of stuff I picked up along the way. And uh, there was a couple of newsy-type items that I'd like to address at the top. We had a couple of stories last week. Of course, Matt Cavanaugh not returning as the Jets' senior offensive assistant. And so, and you know, I wrote about this last year. I said the Jets need to, last season, I mean, the Jets need to streamline their, their quarterback communication. They had too many people, too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will. And now they have John Beck, you know, Zach Wilson's personal coach has gone back to the West Coast. He will not be returning to the Jets. He will continue to work with Zach on a private basis, but he will not be back with the Jets, I'm told. And, of course, Kavanaugh, his contract expired. It was more of a one-year thing for him, so he will not be back. And so it comes down to Mike LaFleur, the OC, and uh, Rob Calabrese, the quarterback's coach, who had that title last year. Now he will actually be the quarterback's coach and he will have expanded responsibilities, and they will hire an offensive quality control assistant. Robert Sala is trying to create a pipeline of coaches. They fully anticipate that LaFleur will be leaving at some point in the future for a head coaching job. So that's what the the story behind that is. And also Cameron Clark, a fourth-round pick last year out of Charlotte. Uh, We reported that he is uh, leaving football. His career is over because of that neck injury, and that is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, he will uh, hopefully save his money and start a new career, but that's always unfortunate. So that was kind of like the two newsiest things to happen through the week. And uh, the other thing that – and this was from Robert Sala when he spoke to us on, I think it was Tuesday, out in Mobile. He was very forthright, I think is the word, on Mekhi Becton. And it was a general question about Mekhi Becton, and he essentially said – Becton's got to come in and earn his job. 
And to be quite honest, I think if the season were to start, or let's say if training camp were to start today, I think George Fant would be the left tackle. Uh, the Jets really like George Fant. Robert Sala loves George Fant. Let me just tell you that. And Makai is going to have to come back and win that job. His scholarship is over. There will be no freebies. I think the organization is still hopeful that he can uh, rebound and find a place in the lineup. But I thought those comments were very, very telling. Uh, he wasn't critical of Makai, per se, but he was putting him on notice. And I thought that was very interesting. And I think it also sends a message to the rest of the team that, you know, this is a meritocracy. The best players will play. And everybody knows right now that George Fant is a better player than Makai Becton. So that was, I just wanted to note that. Of course, we have free agency coming up in a month. That's what we'll talk about first because that comes before the draft. I do I do have some thoughts on the draft that I'll get to. But let's talk about some of the Jets players or the most prominent players heading to free agency. One thing about free agency, the cap is going to be up a little. It's $208 million. Last year, it went down a little because of the pandemic. So I think, and this is not going to help the Jets, I think teams are going to tag more players, and I think they'll be more apt to re-sign their own free agents, which will water down the free agent pool. Uh, that's the sense I get from talking to people in Mobile. So that's not a good thing for the Jets, who are obviously looking to acquire as much talent as possible. Let's talk about some individual players. Uh, per, you know, Their most noteworthy free agent is Marcus May. Uh, the Jets really do like Marcus May. Uh, they, they have no issue with his with his attitude or his playing ability. It's just that we have a couple of situations. He's coming off that Achilles surgery, and from my understanding, he's doing really well in his rehab. And the other thing is, of course, that uh, DUI arrest from last February, pretty much about a year ago uh, this month, and he hid it from the Jets. We know that whole story. And uh, I think Marcus will end up going elsewhere uh, I do think he is remorseful. He showed up at Joe Douglas's office at 7 a.m. when that story broke on ESPN, and uh, he was very remorseful. But the fact is that they hit it from the Jets. And the mind-boggling part, and I think he just got bad advice from his agent, the Jets made him a really good offer last offseason when he had the franchise tag. They offered him $20 million guaranteed, and he turned it down. He turned it down knowing he had already been arrested, and he had to think that at some point that was going to become public. And he still turned it down. I think Marcus, I think his agent wants to get him away from the Jets. I don't know how Marcus feels, but I do think he will be moving on. And he will get suspended at the start of next season. It could be two or three games from what I hear. Now, Braxton Berrios. This one is very, very interesting. He had a strong finish for the Jets. I think he's a very popular player. Of course, he's an exciting player. He's an all-pro kick returner. We know that. And a pretty good slot receiver. The Jets have a strong desire to keep Braxton Berrios. The question is, what is the market? His agent is Drew Rosenhaus. He tends to find good deals. I think one agent told me this, that he's looking to be paid among the highest slot receivers in the league. Uh, you could look that up. That would put him about $9 million a year, which is interesting because that's what Jamison Crowder got three years ago from the Jets. I don't think the Jets are going to go as high as $9 million. I really don't. Uh, I think they'll probably go somewhere in the 5 to $6 million a year range. But I think if, if Barrios gets an offer from $9 million, I think he'll be gone. Uh, I think those talks will heat up at the Combine coming up early next month. Now, as for Crowder, he's a good player. 
I mean, he really is a good player. He puts up solid numbers year after year. I just think uh, with Elijah Moore's ability to play in the slot, they also have Berrios if he can come back. And, and the thing that I think frustrates the Jets organization is just Crowder has a lot of soft tissue injuries. His dependability is in question. So I just think he's going to move on to another team. Another interesting one is Foley Fadikasi. He is a he's their best run stopper. And you never want to lose good run stoppers, especially when you struggle to stop the run, as the Jets did last year. The question is, is money. As is, is it look, it's free agency. It always comes down to money, usually. Uh, I think Foley is probably looking for something in the eight million a year category, and uh, the you know this is a tough one. The Jets really like Foley. He the fans may not know this, but he is one of the leaders on defense. He's a vocal leader. I think he uh, he relishes that role and high character guy. They, they really want to keep him, but I don't know if they're going to go as high as eight million. I think he'll get that on the open market. The Jets have been trying. They, they've been talking for months with Foley's people. Just haven't been able to get it done. My gut feeling right now says that Foley moves on, which leaves, you know, kind of a, a hole in the defensive line. They're going to have to find another run stuffer. I think there are some good DTs in free agency. May they, maybe they find a cheaper replacement. I want to talk about the quarterback situation. You know, the Jets, you know, Robert Sala is on record. He wants to run it back with the same three guys, which means re-signing Joe Flacco and tendering Mike White. You know Flacco is going to want to make as at least as much as he did last year, which is $3.5 million. Mike White is a restricted free agent, not unrestricted, restricted. And so to tender him at his original round, draft round, it's which is the fifth, it would be about $2.4 million. I think the Jets will do that. I do believe, from talking to some people around the league, that there will be teams that might be willing to pay that and give up a fifth-round pick for Mike White, who, who obviously showed some potential in his limited action last season. So that would be interesting. You know, if they tender him at the fifth, there's a chance they could lose him. If they tender him at the second round, then it's about a $4 million tender. Then, then you're going to pay him four million to him and three and a half million to Flacco. To me, that doesn't make sense. But they want to keep Flacco and they want to keep White, and I think they're willing to do it for say six million combined. It's interesting because last year they went totally on the cheap with no experience backups and basically totally no backups making any money. This year they're willing to spend a little extra, and I actually think that's good. You want experienced backups. But uh, if it comes to seven and a half or eight million dollars, I think they have to pick one or the other. An interesting guy is Moses uh, Morgan Moses, who I think had a solid year. The Jets like him a lot. He was a really good signing last year by Joe Douglas. I don't think he's out of the picture yet. Uh, there's been some talks with his people. Uh, I do think he will ultimately move on because he's going to want a, a clear-cut starting job. And I don't know if the Jets can offer that right now. Which brings us into George Fant. As we talked about a little bit earlier, he's a left tackle. I think right now he's the left tackle. Clearly his best position is left tackle. He's played that. He's more comfortable there. It's his natural position. And I think I think there's a chance the Jets open the season with George Fant at left tackle and Makai Becton at right tackle. I, yeah, I, I do think they're considering Becton at right tackle. A lot depends on what happens in the draft. But when Becton played under Bobby Petrino at Louisville, 
they had one of those offensive systems that sometimes you see in college where they'll flip the tackles depending on the strength of the formation. So Becton did play some right tackle at Louisville under that coaching staff, so it would not be completely foreign to him. I have a hunch they may end up doing that. Now, as for Fant, there was a report that the Jets are in extension talks with him. I am told that is not true. But as I said earlier, they do like him a lot. They just haven't gotten around to talking about an extension yet. He's got one year left on his contract. Uh, Let's talk about the draft. Jets are picking 4-10. and We all know that. It is really difficult to forecast. I'm getting people saying, oh, give me a mock draft right now. No one knows what Jacksonville is going to do at number one. So it's really hard to forecast what the Jets are going to do at four. Some people think Jacksonville may go for left tackle, Evan Neal out of Alabama. Uh, The hot rumor in Mobile was Kyle Hamilton to the Jets. He's the safety from Notre Dame. I know what Jet fans are thinking. No, we cannot draft a safety that high. I totally get it. And Joe Douglas, to me, perhaps more than any GM that I've covered, is really beholden to the premium position theory you don't pay big money or use high draft picks on non-premium positions technically safety is a non-premium position however there is the thought in the scouting community that Hamilton is kind of like this Swiss army knife safety he can do everything he can play linebacker he can play safety he can be a box safety he can be a you know a post safety so if the Jets see him that way as a Swiss army knife type guy then Possibly then, yeah, maybe at four. He is a highly, highly regarded player, and we do know the Jets have a, you know, just a gaping need, you know, at safety. Uh, They will. I don't know if it'll be four or ten or maybe with the early second-round pick. They're going to add a piece on the defensive line, a significant piece. And to me, the fascinating story is could Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon for months and months considered the consensus number one pick, could he slip to four? From what I understand, it could happen, which would be stunning. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan has uh, seemingly passed him, according to a lot of talent evaluators. So I think there's a chance that Thibodeau slips four to the Jets. In that case, boy, they'd be really hard-pressed to pass on him. Uh, I do think they will add a, a piece. I think Robert Sala is always looking to add to that defensive line. Uh, you have Quinnen Williams. You have Sheldon Rankins inside. You're going to lose for Fatakasi, I think. you got JFM. JFM can move inside. He is probably more of a natural inside player than outside, so I think you could see him moving inside. you got Lawson coming back from the injury, but you still need another piece. I think they will invest significantly at some point in that. Offensive line, uh, we know Joe Douglas. It's in his DNA. He likes taking offensive linemen. Um, I could see that happening at 4 or 10. To me, the guy who jumped out was Trevor Penning in Northern Iowa. Dude is just nasty. I mean, he was throwing people around in practice. I, I don't know if that's his playing style, or maybe he was trying to prove a point coming from a smaller school, wanted to show how he could handle himself against the top competition, but he was just tossing people around and playing with a nasty edge. So uh, he jumped out. He's probably going to be a mid-first-round pick. To me, the real interesting uh, position is corner. In my opinion, and I think it's shared by other people in the organization, the Jets desperately need a cornerback one. Uh, you, Robert Sala really likes the guys, you know, the Halls and, and the 
you know, and the Brandon Eccles and Michael Carters. He likes those guys. And I think he's willing to roll with those guys, but I do think they need a, a, a number one corner. I don't think it'll be Derek Stingley Jr. I think he's slipping. If they go corner high, I think it would be Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. And one last thing on the draft. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. The Jets are not going to draft a quarterback. But the quarterback situation could benefit the Jets. They are picking 10th. The team right behind them is the Washington Commanders. And let it be known, that is the first time I've uttered the word Commanders in relation to Washington in public. It sounds a lot better than the Washington football team, but let me get back on track here. So you're going to have teams behind Washington, who Washington needs a quarterback, behind them, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, maybe even Minnesota, all looking for young quarterbacks. If guys like Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett improve their draft stock, you're going to see teams willing to try to get ahead of Washington. And so maybe the Jets at 10, that pick increases in value. They're going to get some calls then. They could move up or rather move down and get some extra draft capital. And to me, and from what I get from talking to scouts, there's not a whole lot of difference between picking 10th or 15th or 17th. That's where the draft kind of evens out a little bit. So if you could drop a few spots and get an extra pick or two, I think that's a great way to go for the Jets. I think they're open-minded to that. So if you're a Jet fan, and I know you are by listening to this, you should be rooting for guys like Willis and Pickett. And even Desmond Ritter had a good a good post, a good senior bowl. Root for those guys to do well at the Combine and on their pro days. Increase their stock. You know teams get quarterback crazy, and they will start reaching. That could benefit the Jets. Back after this. And it's Twitter time. Bunch of questions. So many, so many questions here in the offseason, which will be heating up shortly. First one from at Chad Hams. Uh, Rich, do you think the Jets will make a splashy move this offseason? Uh, not a typical for Joe Douglas to make a splashy move. Uh, could there be a big free agent signing or trade? Uh, well, I, I do think that is possible. Joe Douglas hinted at his end-of-the-year press conference that he can be more aggressive. They have so much draft capital, uh, bargaining chips, to get involved really in any trade. If there's any player that hits the market, the Jets can be players for that player. So I think you have to keep an eye on that. I think they will be more aggressive with regard to that. We have not seen Joe Douglas do that kind of trade. We've seen him make many trades. I think it's up to 15 trades in the time he's been the GM, but they've been all trading for future assets, but not dealing for a proven player. I think that could change this offseason. I think Calvin Ridley is the name on everybody's lips. You know, I think Atlanta would like to move him. Uh, that'll be a very interesting situation. He's a very good receiver. That would require a contract extension because he's going into the last year of his contract. He's going to make $11 million. Certainly, you would not give up, say, a second-round pick for a one-year player. You'd have to sign him to extension. This would require a lot of due diligence. We all know that you know Ridley stepped away from the Falcons during the year because of uh, a mental health issue. So that re would require any team trading for him to do a lot of research and probably sit down with him just to find out where he's at. And uh, so that would, uh, that would be interesting. He would obviously upgrade the wide receiver position. A couple of other guys just to keep an eye on. San Francisco linebacker Dre, Dre Greenlaw. A player Robert Sala is very familiar with, 
And uh, even a guy like a Chase Claypool from Pittsburgh, the wide receiver, um, yeah, some maturity issues there. I wonder if Pittsburgh might put him on the market. I do think you'll see Joe Douglas expand his window. The last couple of off seasons, you've seen him really not make significant investments unless the player was only going on their second contract. He was looking for guys in that 26 to 28 range, didn't want to spend big on guys who were older. I think you will see that window expanding now. I think they're trying to get some older players in the locker room to improve leadership. So I think you might be able to, you might, if they sign a 30-year-old safety or a 30-year-old pass rusher, don't be surprised if that happens. Next question from at Green Beans JN. Uh, he has two questions. Any chance the Jets go Brick and Nick uh, in the first round and get an offensive tackle in a center? I love the original. Let's do it again. And which players seem to wow the Jets staff most at the Senior Bowl? Um, yeah, the Nick and Brick back in 2006 uh, was a great uh, one-two draft move for the Jets. I don't think they're going to go that way again. Of course, the only center worth drafting in the first round is Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa. He's really good. I don't think you would take a center in the top 10. Uh, so I don't think with so many needs, I'd be really surprised if the Jets devote two of their high, highest picks to uh, to a tackle in a center. So I don't think they'll go that way. And uh, this actually ties into the your second question. Um player that wowed them in the senior bowl zion johnson from boston college he's a guard uh six foot two and change uh looks a little squatty and undersized but he's a really powerful player i know he impressed the jets he also can play center uh or he was trying to play center and he seemed to do okay better at it as the week went on i think he really impressed the jets he's a smart player he's very attentive in the meetings very inquisitive and so that's a guy who I think is definitely in play at the top of the second round. Next question from at Heidi Nigel. At Howdy, Heidi, Howdy Nigel. Okay, that's an interesting one. Not a question, uh, but he wants to uh, hear additional context on Makai Becton. And that's fair. So, yeah, the Jets, I think, are still high on Makai Becton. But I think they just want him to get his rear end in gear. You know, it's... You know, it's a weight situation, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You know, his weight was really high at the end of the year. There were some reports that it was over 400. I don't think it was that high, but I think he was probably real close to 400, and which is, you know, a lot, which is really a lot. You know, he was playing at the draft. You know, when he was drafted, he was 363. Now, he had a lot of time off this year. Obviously, that affected his conditioning. I think the Jets just want to see a stronger commitment from him. They want to see more durability. They just want to see him be a professional every day, not just on Sunday, Monday through Saturday, practice like a pro, be a pro, come to OTAs in great shape, and just be committed to the program. That's what they want to see from Makai Becton. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade him. They wouldn't get full value for him coming off an injury like that. So, I think he'll be with the team. It's just that they want to see the Makai that they drafted a couple of years ago. That's what they want to see. So that's the context. It's, um, you know, it was a somewhat serious injury. It wasn't like a full-blown ACL or MCL. But they expected him back in two months. And I think they were disappointed that it took longer. And certainly he's got to get himself in better shape. Next one from up, Zam the Man 2 What's happening to Cashman and Pirine? 
Uh, well, I don't think it'll. Let's just say both guys are fighting uphill battles to be on the team next season. I, I think there's a good chance neither one will be with the team. Next one from at Jerry Conway nineteen. Uh, you may. I still think you may have been right about Sam Darnold. He would have done well with Lafleur and the Jets. They could have drafted Chase or Pitts. The Panthers line was the worst in the league, and Rule has been awful. Jerry, I appreciate the support, but I've as I admitted at a podcast at the end of the season, uh, you know, I was wrong about Darnold. You know, I wanted the Jets to keep him. I'm not going to come up with these alibis. And you make some good points there. The Panthers line was not good, and Matt Rule has not been good, and Joe Brady was a terrible coordinator. Uh, but I'm not going to make any more excuses for Sam Darnold. He had a bad year. Interesting, I was talking to a Panthers official in Mobile, and, uh, you know, they there was the same sentiment as well, you know, that the line was not good. So I think you'll see the Panthers try to improve it. I think they're going to keep Darnold. They owe him $18 million. It's guaranteed. It's going to be hard to trade him with that with that price tag. I think they'll bring in competition for him. And so, uh, you know, I wish Sam well. And I do think the Jets could have drafted, you know, uh, you know, Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. Those were the two names that were next on their draft board. Uh, but they made the decision to go with Zach Wilson and, and trade away Darnold. And so, um, look, Darnold had a bad year, and uh, he's at a crossroads right now in his career. Next question from at Crevo Rich. Who are the Jets who are the free agent tight ends that you could see the Jets signing? Well, there's a bunch of good ones. Unfortunately, Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys, I think, will get tagged. I think he would be the obvious target. C.J. Uzuma Uzoma from uh, Cincinnati, who's dealing with a knee injury now as he gets ready for the Super Bowl, is a really good player. Uh, Mike Kosicki put up big numbers with Miami. He is not a true tight end. He is not a traditional Y tight end. He is not a blocker. He's a guy who caught most of his passes split out in the slot. So that would require somewhat of an adjustment for the Jets. I think they would prefer a traditional Y or inline tight end. Um, so not sure they would go there, but he is a highly productive player when he's in the right scheme. Next one from at J underscore bird 44. Rich, given your exposure to several Jets organizational regimes, can you comment on what changes or standards from a culture standpoint have been implemented by Sala and Douglas? Is it a foundation for success? What are the pillars of their foundation? Very, very interesting question. Big picture. I could go on for a while on this, but I'll try to streamline it here. I think, number one, you have alignment between Sala and Douglas they seem to be in lockstep. As you know, as Jet fans know, that has not always been the case in previous regimes. They've had GM and coaches not on the same page. It is the number one criterion for organizational success. If you don't have those two people on the same page philosophically, you have no chance. That is number one. I think you have two proven schemes on offense, that scheme is in the Super Bowl right now. With The Rams run the same scheme with McVay. The Jets run the same scheme. So I think you have two proven systems. That has not always been the case in past regimes. So players like when you're in a proven system, it gives them confidence. I think simplicity is an important part of this organization. They don't want players to overthink. I think that especially applies to the defense. It's all about the players. They try to make it simple. 
They are not under any grand illusions. They're not trying to fool the offense. I think last year, a couple of years ago, with Greg Williams, his ego was so large that he made it about him and his scheme. He always liked to tell us about, oh, we had 40 different offensive or defensive fronts that we can use. For him, it was about the scheme and satisfying his ego. With this coaching staff, they make it about the players. And so, you know, they don't want to com- confuse the players. They just want them to go play. And I think that's the difference. Now, the, the, you know, the big part of that is you need the players. You need the horses. And right now they don't have the horses. And I also think the other big reason is uh, there's better communication in the building. I think there's more cohesiveness, especially between offense and defense. I think a lot of that trickles down from Robert Sala, who clearly is a much better communicator than Adam Gase. He is more of a CEO-type coach, so I think that galvanizes the entire building. And so that those are the four reasons. Alignment, schemes, simplicity, playing to the player's strengths, not the coach's ego, and better communication in the building. I think those are all reasons or, 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 or signify what this culture is about. Now, does that mean it's going to be successful? We don't know that yet. They've only had one year. It was really a transition year. I've seen it work the other way. Bill Parcells was a guy who didn't have alignment with another person because he was the only person who made the decisions. And, you know, he operated more of a clandestine closed-door building where people outside of his office did not know what was going on. There was always an air of secrecy and paranoia, but it worked because he was Bill Parcells and he knew what he was doing and he knew how to execute the plan. This is the opposite. This is more of a democracy. They're getting input from a lot of coaches regarding scouting. The scouts have a say. Everyone has a say. It's more of a democracy as as opposed to more of a uh, one king running the entire kingdom. So it works both ways. Ultimately, it comes down to whether you have the right people in place And whether your players are good enough, it always comes down to talent. Jets looking to increase their talent. Thanks for stopping by. This was sort of a post-Senior Bowl edition of Flight Deck. Did it a little differently with format-wise this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We threw out a lot of information. We're going to have a ton of stuff coming up. The, the, The scouting combine starts March 1st. Then right after that, boom, we're right into free agency and off we go. So we'll have another flight deck right around that time. Appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, of course, to Jeff Scopin, our producer, for putting this all together. And we'll catch you next time on Flight Deck. <laughs>